Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. For most music lovers, it is well known that rap music is a uniquely American musical art form born on the streets of New York City. It is a subculture unto itself with an incredible array of musical talent and musical characters. Yet, what is probably lesser known is that within only a couple of years of the birth of American rap music, Canadians were playing said music on their record players and very quickly making rap music of their own. Much like New York City is the historic birth of American hip-hop, Toronto is often considered the birth center of Canadian hip-hop music, and like American hip-hop, this Canadian form had to struggle to be accepted within the wider national musical culture. Now, in this episode, we are going to look at the birth and early developments in Canadian rap music, and by no means am I intending to provide the definitive history of Canadian rap in the 20th century. There are artists whom I will have left out of this discussion. There are moments I will have to skip over. Instead, however, I seek to understand the broader trend of Canadian rap music from the streets of Toronto to the stages of the Juno Music Awards to finally becoming a pillar of Canadian music by the end of the 20th century. So this is Season 7, Episode 4, We Notorious, Canadian Hip-Hop in the 20th Century. So this week, I don't have a book recommendation. However, what I ask of you instead is that you deep dive some of the artists that I'm going to talk about today. Artists like Rascals, Cardinal Officiel, Michi Me, Maestro Fresh West, and other great Canadian rap artists. Go find a playlist that says Canadian hip-hop on it. Go deep dive some 90s rap music. Take some time out to listen to these incredible artists, these pioneers of Canadian rap music, and enjoy yourself. Okay, 
So rap music as we know it today is often said to have originated on the streets of New York City, and many attribute its beginning to 1979 when the Sugar Hill Gang released their song, Rapper's Delight. It's probably no surprise to anyone that within a few years, American rap music was filtering into Canada, in particular onto the streets and into the neighborhoods of the city of Toronto. Many of Canada's earliest hip-hop artists recall that for many of them, their first experiences with rap music was because of travel between Canada and the United States. Friends, family members, and individuals would return from New York with records, cassettes, and even speakers and DJing equipment. It wasn't long before some American hip-hop artists were even traveling into Canada to perform. For instance, the American breakdance group Rock Steady Crew did a Canadian tour as early as 1982 with stops not just in Toronto, but as far west as Alberta. Yet, for much of the first half of the 1980s, there really was no media outlet where young Canadians could hear American hip-hop. Thus, more informal means existed whereby rap music was spread to Canadian youth. One informal way was house parties. You see, at house parties, attendees would bring their newly acquired or recently acquired records and they would play them and share them and thus everyone at the party suddenly could hear the latest music coming out of the United States rap scene. As well, the streets themselves provided a forum for new music to be heard, particularly in the form of block parties whereby neighbors would gather for a barbecue or a social event and someone with a record player would often play some of the newest music out of the United States rap genre. One of the first ways, however, by which rap music was actually being heard on Toronto radio was through college and community radio programs. One of the most popular and iconic programs was called Fantastic Voyage, hosted by music pioneer Ron Nelson on Ryerson University's 88.1 CKLM-FM. This was one of Canada's first programs that provided radio access to current hip-hop music, and it was being heard by young Torontonians across the city. In fact, 
many early Canadian hip-hop and rap artists recall that different crews or quote-unquote scenes were often associated with different college radio stations. So you had Ryerson, but you also had York University's CHRY and the University of Toronto's CIUT. It wasn't just a Toronto phenomenon, though. In 1989, Vancouver got its first all-rap radio show via the University of British Columbia's radio station 101.9 CITR. Now, besides the sort of informal methods and these community and college radio programs, another way is if you were fortunate enough to live close to the border. Because if you did you might actually have been able to pick up American radio stations playing the newest jams. For instance, Buffalo, New York's 93.7 WBLK-FM radio could be heard on Toronto airwaves on specific weather-friendly days. Many young Torontonians recalled jerry-rigging their radio sets for more powerful reception in order to hear the newest beats spun by the DJs of 93.7. Now, by the early 1980s, young Torontonians weren't just consuming rap music, they were starting to make it themselves. In fact, Ron Nelson's Fantastic Voyage was one of the first platforms where local Toronto rap artists could actually be heard. In fact, Nelson organized and hosted a series of rap competitions, or what they called rap battles, where local talent would square off against one another, and sometimes even American talent would show up and face off against Canadian rappers. Some notable American artists that participated in Ron's Monster Jams, as they were called, included the legendary Bismarckie, KRS-One, and Roxanne Chante. Now, while the Toronto rap scene was still relatively new, some prominent Toronto artists emerged during this early period to carve a name for themselves as pioneers of Canada's hip-hop scene. This included Jamaican-born but Canadian-raised Michelle McCulloch, a.k.a. Mishy Me. Mishy Me developed a unique style that incorporated Jamaican language and slang and rhythm into her rap music. Her duo, Mishy Me and DJ L.A. Love, released their 1987 single, Elements of Style. And this got them signed to the subsidiary of Atlantic Records, known as First Priority, making Mishy Me the first Canadian MC, male or female, to be signed to a major American record label. Mishy Me was, and is, widely respected in both Canadian and American rap circles, and is often referred to as the godmother of Canadian rap. So here is Elements of Style. Boogie Now Productions is proud to introduce Canada's greatest musically inclined intellectual representative for the rap industry on a whole, a major breakthrough for female MCs everywhere. Her name, Missy Me. This is BBP reporting live from Canada. Well, you can see in here, I'm not new to this game of rap, but I will kick it on the beat the same, perhaps. I possess what all the MCs lack, the elements of style. As a matter of fact, that's right, I'm possessed. You battle me, I get stronger. Even exorcism, Missy Me can be conquered. If I make a record, it is already sold. Any record Missy Me makes will surely go gold. Not police, not at the 
Now, this early scene also saw the emergence of another Canadian rap legend, a man named Wesley Williams, a.k.a. Maestro Fresh Wes. Maestro gained musical acclaim with his 1989 debut single, Let Your Backbone Slide. This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, I can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All of the mix. Okay, party people in the house. May I have attention, please? In a moment, the beat will be played in many parts. Many parts. Very. Game, I'm on a mission. Call me a hip hop tip tactician. I rap like a slab of clay, the shapeless. Chef ain't no shimmer, no glass is tasteless. A universe without light is lightless. That's why I always take time to write this. I'm older than my hands before I start chiseling. Could be a rain or brainstorm or drizzling. Sun could be shining, sun could be showering. Practice makes perfect, I'm powering, flowering. My lyrics are awesome and tune in volume and blooming, I'm blossoming. Blowing away blockades and barricades make you black and blue from the blast of the blaze. It's a blood sport. Blood builds out back. I make your vision go blurry while your brain goes blank into oblivion. Beats from box to box, the bass rocks from blocks and blocks. Let your backbone slide. This song was the first Canadian hip-hop single to reach gold status and became the best-selling Canadian hip-hop single of all time until 2008's Dangerous by Cardinal Officiel. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, the reaction by label executives to this burgeoning Canadian hip-hop scene was rather interesting. Many execs attempted to pressure early artists to downplay the Canadian black experience in their music. Mishy Mee says she was often asked not to discuss her life growing up in Toronto's rough Jane Finch neighborhood because, for most Americans, what they thought of when they thought of urban Canada was a fairly polite society where most people got along and oppression was relatively non-existent. Executives didn't want Canadian music challenging that preconception. In fact, Mishy Mee states that some execs would say to her about Toronto, and I quote, There are no ghettos here. There's nothing that is hardcore here. There's no suffering here. What are you talking about? 
end quote. One of the defining features of early rap artists, especially in this Toronto scene, was their shared Caribbean heritage. Mishimi, Maestro, and others like Butch Lee or Lady P all grew up in Toronto but were children of Caribbean-born immigrants. And this speaks to a broader demographic reality. By the 1990s, Toronto contained 48% of Canada's entire black population, many of whom had emigrated from the Caribbean. The generation of Mishimi and Maestro and others with their shared heritage is often referred to as the first generation of Canadian rappers, or even referred to sometimes as the pre-1993 generation. Much of the music of this generation either referenced the Caribbean or utilized Caribbean rhythms and Caribbean slang. To give you an example, here is Toronto group Rumble and Strong's song called Crazy Jam, which characterizes the music of this generation. Thus it was that this first generation of Canadian rappers uniquely blended elements of American rap and hip-hop with their own cultural realities, largely based on the places of origin of themselves or their parents. Echoes of reggae, dancehall, and calypso could be heard all throughout this early Canadian-slash-Toronto rap. Now, after 1993, this began to transform into a much more broader scale because more and more rappers began to write and rap about their localized Canadian experiences, not just in Toronto, but across the country. Certainly, the Caribbean influence continued in various forms. We see this in artists like Cardinal Officiel, for instance. But Toronto rap ceased being an exclusive or at least heavily Caribbean-influenced space, and more and more artists began to focus on their lived experiences, not just on Toronto streets, but throughout urban Canada. In Toronto, which was and had still the most vibrant rap scene in all of the country, this post-1993 movement gave rise to an affectionate attachment to the city as the center of Canada's hip-hop scene. So terms like the T.O. dot or T dot, or even Drake's later use of the six, all reflected this growing sense of Toronto or even specific Toronto neighborhoods as the focus of Toronto rap and broadly speaking, leading the way in Canadian rap. Yet 
rap music was clearly not just contained to Toronto streets by the 1990s. We see rap music being produced and made and written all throughout the country. For instance, one of the early Canadian hip-hop groups to also help pioneer Canadian rap music was the Vancouver-based Rascals. They were not Vancouver's first rap group, let's make that clear, but certainly became one of its most influential and arguably one of the most influential rap groups in the country. Formed originally in 1991, by 1993 they were receiving Juno nominations for their work. Out of Ottawa was the Canadian hip-hop group Organized Rhyme, who signed to the U.S. label A&M Records in 1991 and whose single Check the O.R. was nominated for a 1993 Juno for Best Rap Recording. In fact, well-known Canadian comedian Tom Green was one of its founding members. Out of Montreal came the French-Canadian Senegalese rap group Dubmatique, and Dubmatique's first album, which was released in 1997, sold over 125,000 copies and garnered the group a number of music awards and award nominations. In the mid-90s, out of Hobima, Alberta, came the Cree hip-hop group War Party, and they became the first indigenous hip-hop group to have a music video aired on Much Music. And of course, Toronto continued to have a plethora of great talent, such as a young man named Kevin Brereton, a.k.a. Chaos, who first started releasing music in the mid-1990s. One of the big problems that persisted for Canadian rap music for much of the 20th century was its lack of representation on more mainstream media formats. By the end of the 1980s, Much Music was airing a weekly hip-hop program known as Rap City, and was later complemented by another program known as Da Mix, which started airing in 1990. Yet despite a clear interest in rap music, there were no mainstream radio stations with an urban format. Urban was the sort of catch-all phrase being used at the time to encompass rap, hip-hop, R&B, and generally all forms of black urban music. Now, Milestone Radio planned to change this. Formed in 1988, Milestone Radio was a radio broadcasting company headquartered in Toronto, owned and operated by black Canadians. Its first president was author, activist, philanthropist, broadcaster, and businessman Denim Jolly. In 1990, Milestone Radio applied to the Canadian Radio Television Telecommunications Commission, the CRTC for short, for an urban format radio station in Toronto. They were denied in favor of a country music format station, and it's worth noting that Toronto at the time already had a country radio station. In 1997, Milestone Radio applied once again, and once again, they were denied. So while on one hand, rap artists were by the early 1990s, receiving accolades from within the music industry, both in Canada and the U.S., they were being denied one of the most accessible platforms in the country. Frankly, the struggle for rap artists to become accepted by the mainstream Canadian music industry continued for much of the century. In 1996, in response to this continued marginalization, 
the non-profit organization Urban Music Association of Canada was formed specifically designed to showcase and expand Canadian urban music and combat the difficulties of urban music gaining widespread acceptance within the Canadian musical landscape. The year 1998 would prove to be a pivotal year for advancing this cause. It was that year that Rascals refused to accept a Juno Award for Best Rap Recording. They did this in protest of the fact that none of the awards for the urban genres, in this case rap, reggae, or dance, were going to be aired on the actual Juno show to be broadcasted into Canadian homes across the country. This was a massive controversy and brought widespread media attention to the ongoing marginalization of Canadian urban music. And then, in a notorious one-two punch, that same year, Rascals released the game-changing single, Northern Touch. Throughout the atmosphere So distinctive No other style comes near So when you hear You got to peer Over the lens To get a glance To know who is the man With the talent Flipping the words Like my body on the apparatus Sky's the limit So we're bound to break Through the stratas With these rhymes That are classic Forget the fads Or the fashion Statements are make On the microphone your world domination The base of the foundation No time wasted Fire war We trail blazing Burn to the next destination Flexing on this world Exploration Teamed with the best In the nation Yes and who that be Custom design Fine rhymes into salary All the way from T-Dot to the Van City All-Star Food boys freak you like a fantasy Word up Yes, yes. From the Northwest Van City Oh, desire uh, I like chilling Monday night raw watching yeah. Me and Danny O at the Sky Dome When it's in town My people's know I just be regular So haters start this Northern Touch was a special one-off single Written by Rascals Which also included Vancouver rapper Checkmate as well as Toronto rappers Cardinal Officiel, Thrust, and Chocolaire. All three of these Toronto rappers were having industry success at the time. The song became a hit in Canada and garnered attention both in the United States and internationally. More importantly, the song became an anthem for Canadian hip-hop. In 1999, Rascals once again won the Juno for Best Rap Recording, this time for Northern Touch, which they accepted, as now the award was moved to the main televised ceremony. Rascals even performed the song at the Junos, marking the first time a rap artist or group performed on the Juno stage. In many ways, it was Northern Touch that symbolized Canadian hip-hop thrusting into the mainstream music zeitgeist. It was without a doubt that rap music by the close of the 20th century was a thriving and popular genre across the country, both with Canadian music consumers and Canadian music creators. It was now part of the mainstream, 
It was part of the Juno broadcast. And in 2000, Milestone Radio's third attempt to get an urban format radio station was accepted. And in June of that year, 93.5 The Flow was introduced to Toronto listeners. Canada's first ever urban contemporary radio format was born. It is without a doubt that Canadian rap music fought to be accepted within the Canadian musical community. From a completely underground Toronto scene, to a widely consumed national format, to a pillar of the Canadian music industry. By the beginning of the 21st century, this Canadian genre saw hip-hop artists receive international acclaim and accolades while enjoying massive popularity within Canada and throughout North America. For rappers like Drake, there is no doubt that his international success is on the backs of pioneers within the Canadian rap scene who put the genre on the Canadian musical map and made sure that Canadian hip-hop was here to stay. And Canadian music has been stronger for it. I want to thank you all for listening today. A reminder, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, and you can find us at our homepage, coolcanadianhistory.com. And you can find me on Twitter, at DocBoris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. Thank you for tuning in, and stay cool. Stay cool.